these words that are on the screen. So what can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, O oh God, completely to you. Of all the men I know in leadership, uh, I couldn't say in front of Julian and to you, this is a man that we've known for 30-something years. And he exemplifies somebody that has offered his heart completely, completely to God. And um, I'm, I'm impressed by him. I know he's in the room. I'm challenged by him. I'm encouraged by him. Uh, there are personal things in, in my journey where I was struggling and this man just loved me and uh, looked after me in ways that nobody will ever really know the full depth of. But Julian, I honor you today, and I want to just say thank you for being here, coming in your capacity as an, as an apostle to our nation and uh, to the church to stir and equip the church. And uh, I said to you last Sunday, I've invited Julian here in his capacity uh, as an apostle. He's been released by his church, uh, from the senior leadership position, and he's been uh, appointed by New Wine Cymru to fulfill a role as an apostle uh, to the church in Wales in particular, but he's, he's not limited to this nation. He speaks across nations. And so, uh, seriously, pin your ears back. Okay, if you haven't got a notebook, um, I would encourage you to write notes on your phone or listen to the recording Okay, when you've got a notepad, because there will be uh, nuggets of gold in what he shares. Okay, so Julian, thank you for being you. Yeah, come on, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Uh, your words are much kinder than I uh, deserve or ever will deserve. And I was just saying to Martin, it's all going to go downhill from here on. <laughs> you know, where do you go? You go down, don't you? <laughs> so, so, so just get ready. Uh, can I just say, are you, a fa- are you all one family or not? Are you, you guys? You're related or no? no you just, well, okay, well, let me just say to you, what, what's your name? Evangeline. Evangeline. What a, oh, what a great name. Evangeline, I saw you reading the scriptures and holding it very close to your face. And uh, Jesus just wants to encourage you at this moment in time, hold him and his promises right before your eyes at this season. Um, He's going to come out of the pages of scriptures. There's things in the scriptures that you've been reading about and that you will read about, that Jesus is almost going to walk by his spirit out of the scriptures into your experience uh, you are going to encounter the Jesus of the scriptures in a fresh way and he is going to be your provision and he's going to be your enabler and he's going to be your strengthener. When you feel weak, Angeline, and you feel you just can't cope anymore and it's like uphill and life is uphill. It is uphill. It's, it just depends how, how steep it is at any one given moment in time. You're going to find that Jesus is really going to come to strengthen you. He's going to come to resource you. And, he's, and you are going to discover the Christ of the Scriptures being very real to you in this season of your life. And it's for you and it's for your family. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Great. Now, let me t- shall I just give a brief in- 
introduction to me, uh, and then I get in onto it. Okay, um, I was uh, I was converted uh, in 1982, 28th of February 1982. It was the day before Saint David's Day, and I was walking in Castle Cork Wood. You know the fairy castle. My parents, my dad used to live there during the war with his parents because my grandfather was the caretaker there. And it was the safest place to live because the German bombers would circle around it as a landmark and they wouldn't bomb it and they'd just bomb the docks instead. So it's a good place to live. And so uh, I was an atheist. I went to church uh, when I was 16. For a, uh, They dragged me along for a, a, a village event. My parents didn't go to church, but I had to go on this occasion. And I said to myself, if God exists, he'd be here. And I looked around and I saw no evidence of him. And I made this shallow decision that I would become an atheist. So I did. And it changed the trajectory of my life, not in a very helpful way. But then one day, I'm walking through Castle Corkwoods, 1982, February, and I'm not looking for God, although I am searching for answers to life. And God opened my eyes to see what cannot be seen. I saw in spirit, because you can't actually see God, you discern it, like John the Baptist discerned the spirit falling upon Jesus. I saw in spirit the presence and the power of God. It filled every blade of grass and every rock and every cloud. Although creation wasn't God, but God was in it and separate from it. It was absolutely awesome. And when I saw this, oh my goodness, there is a God. When I saw that, because the first thing I came aware of was my sin. I didn't believe in sin up to that point. And suddenly I realized, oh, there is such a thing as sin, and I'm a sinner. And then I heard this voice, this, a clear voice, said, Julian. And I was shocked, because I knew it was God, and he called me by name. I heard him, I, said, he, I was so surprised. Julian, abandon yourself to me, proclaim my name to all people, and I'll meet your needs. And in that moment, I saw my mum, my dad, my girlfriend, my hopes, my dreams, my jobs, my future, and everything. And I knew I had to abandon it to be wholly and completely available to God. Now, it wasn't that I didn't love my mum and I didn't love my dad, but they were to be second. I were to be owned by God and God would be my job. Because I'd never been to church apart from this church that caused me to become an atheist. Well, I can't blame the church for that, but it's my decision. But, but I didn't have a language for this. I didn't have a language for calling. I, I didn't have a, I, so I just knew that God was my job. And I had to give myself to serve him. But because I heard his voice, I now knew he was a person. I never thought that if there was a God, he was a person. I thought it might be a power. But, oh, my goodness, this power speaks. He's a person. And I realized I knew nothing about this person who is full of power. And then as soon as I realized this, this crystal clear thought ran through my mind like a pure river. And it went, read the Bible. So I went home that night and started reading the Bible every night. For months. I wasn't in church, but every night. And I discovered this, Angeline. The God that I was reading about in the Bible was the God that I met in the woods. And his name was Jesus. And I began to kneel by my bed each night, confessing my sins and asking Jesus to guide me and lead me. Eventually, I ended up in a church. But that's, that, that, was, my, that was my beginnings in faith. So here we are today, um, speaking to you, and I'm so pleased to be here and hear all your amazing stories, that you met the same God that I met in the woods, and he's transformed your life like he has mine. And Bill has kindly, <laughs> I hope he's kindly, asked me to speak <laughs> on, on church from an apostolic point of view, 
And uh, it's a really interesting subject because um, the church was founded by the apostles. In fact, the, Paul says that uh, in the church there are first the apostles, second prophets, pastors and teachers. That's not hierarchical, by the way. It's not like a position of hierarchy, like a management hierarchy. It's actually, uh, um, it's like a, okay, I'm a son of a builder. My dad's a builder. And he always would say, Julian, if you're going to build a house, you've got, to, you've got to get the order right. And the first thing that has to go right is the foundations. Because if you don't get the foundations right, it affects the stability, the durability, and the purpose of the house. And the quality of the house is dependent upon the quality of the foundation. So when it says first apostles, apostles are foundational. So it talks about... Um, uh, I, as a wise master builder, lay a foundation upon Christ, and each person needs to be careful how they build. So it says the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So, so what, I'm talking, what I'm going to talk about here is the foundations, and that speaks into the purpose of the church. It's very important if we, if we, we must understand why Jesus has a church. So I'm, I'm going to talk on this. Um, the church is a, is a missional movement. So Christopher Wright, he's a missiological, missiologist, uh, he's a theologian, he's a biblical scholar. In other words, he's really clever, all right? <laughs> and he reads the Bible a lot. And he says this, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world, as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church, the church was made for mission, God's mission. Now let me, now can I just say this one, this is one, if I want to say one thing to us this morning, it's so important for us to understand what is the primary purpose of the church. And the primary purpose of the church is for God's mission. It is like Jesus, he was sent to the world and Jesus said to his apostles, the founders of the church, as the Father send me, so I send you. We are a sent community. The word apostle comes from apostolos. It means sent. It says in Hebrews that Jesus was our first apostolos, our first apostle. He was sent by the Father. And then he says to the apostles, as the Father sends me, so I send you. And he sent out the 12 and he sent out the, the, the 72. And it's sending to the world because God wants to reach the world. Now, this is really important. Why is this important? Because I would say the vast majority of the church in the West doesn't see the church like that. Most people don't join a church because of its sending capacity, because it's missionally minded. This is why people join the church if you're a Christian. I'm looking for a good church. I've just moved to town or I'm fed up with this church, so I'm going to find a new one. It's not the best per reason for looking for a church but unfortunately it happens so we look for a new church I've been in ministry since 1982 that's a long time I've been a pastor a long time or you know and I I cannot remember on one maybe one one occasion possibly when somebody who came to join our church actually asked this question how good is your mission 
usually ask this, will I be pastored in this church? Will I have friends in this church? Is the worship good in this church? Is the, deeping, is the teaching deep in this church? Is there something good for my kids in this church? Will I have a lovely time of fellowship in this church? Can I feel the presence of God in this church? Do you operate the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this church? Is this a church, a spiritual church? Is it a nice church? I have rarely ever, ever found somebody say to me, is this church really focused on the primary purpose why God has created it, others and the world. Yeah? It's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I got one person in the, in the middle there nodding. So, the church is not a pastor-teacher-led movement. It's, Jesus never intended it to be a pastor-teacher-led movement. The church is a missional movement. It's not a pastor-teacher-led movement. It's supposed to be a missional movement. Now, the local church is a missional movement. The global church is a missional movement. But we have turned it into a pastor-teacher movement. Now, here's the thing. If you don't have mission, there's nobody to pastor. If you don't have mission, there's nobody to teach. If John Piper says this. No mission... No worship. Because people say, oh, I tell you what church is all about. Church is about worship. We come and we worship and, oh, we worship. Yes, I love to worship. That's what we do. But if we are not actually reaching people, there's no church to to worship Christ. In the book of Revelation, it talks about out of every tribe, tongue, and nation, there are the redeemed Worshipping around the throne. Redeemed, rescued. People rescued from every tribe and nation become the worship community. No redemption, no mission, no worship. We say, oh, we're supposed to be a discipling community. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples. Oh, we're supposed to be a discipling on this never-ending self-help group. No mission, nobody to disciple. When Paul went into the Roman Grecian world, am I communicating? When Paul went into the Roman Grecian world, he didn't start with disciples. He started with a mission. It's a mission that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the King. And he took this brilliantly. He took this Jewish message into a world that even didn't believe in one God or a dead man could rise again. And he brilliantly contextualized it. That's mean he related it and explained it in a way that they could understand. And, that, and from that, people responded to the lordship of Jesus. And he took those people who responded into the lordship of Jesus into clusters of disciples that we now call church. But it was the mission that came first. So what does a church look like from an apostle's point of view? A church, from an apostolic point of view, is where leaders and and congregation understand that the church, firstly and primarily, is a missional movement. It's a missional movement that disciples and pastors and teachers and worships and then sends, not... A, a, a pastor-teacher organization that does discipleship poorly, mission now and again. It's the other way around. 
Why? Because the apostolic DNA, the apostolic purpose, is foundational in the church. And where did the apostles get that foundation from? From Jesus, our first apostle, the first sent one, who said, as the Father sends me, I send you. Now people will say to me, oh yes, but shouldn't we, shouldn't we be, ah, shouldn't we just be receiving the Holy Spirit? Yes, we should, of course we should. Shouldn't we be basking in his presence? Oh, it's a wonderful thing. Should, don't we need another Pentecost? Let me tell you something. When Jesus spoke to his disciples after he was risen from the dead, he says he spent 40 days speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And then the disciples said to him, hey, are you going to restore the kingdom of God now back to Jerusalem? He says, no, I'm not. it's not for you to know what's going to happen with these things. But let me tell you this, you will receive power. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And this Holy Spirit has been promised from the book of Jeremiah, right through the book of Joel, through Ezekiel. And now it's landing on your doorstep and you will receive power to have a lovely worship time. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. There was only time of soaking in the Spirit. He didn't say that. He says, no, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. You will speak of who I am and what you know. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. And this was the apostolic DNA coming from Christ the Apostle into the, apostle, into the Apostles. And that was the foundation that they laid in the church, that we are a missional movement first. And an apostolic DNA must run through the whole of the church. So, I suppose I could stop there, really. Should I go on a little longer? Am I communicating, Bill? Okay, good. Now, there's, there's something else that we need to do. If it's Jesus' mission... Jesus' mission must be done in Jesus' way, right? Because it's Jesus that we're following. So when we're followers of Jesus, we can tend to, <laughs> we can tend to limit this. And, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, so I want to live like Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. All that's true. But to be a follower of Jesus is not just to live like Jesus and become like Jesus, but it's to do mission like Jesus, Jesus is our model of how to get the job done. And Jesus took 12 disciples who were learners and he taught them not only about the kingdom of God, what it was like through teachings and parables. He not only taught them through miracles, and let's, uh, the miracles are not just acts of compassion, they're actual lessons, object lessons of what the kingdom of God is like. Yeah. So when Philip says, oh, I've got to be careful. When Philip says, you feed them, 5,000, they're all hungry, send them away. He says, no, you feed them. And I said, well, look, it'll take a year's wages. Ah, no, I'm not talking about how you're going to work this out in the human context of like accountancy and how much bread and fish and how much money have we got in the person, will we have enough and will we have to get a loan and will the credit card reach and can we do the payments and feed these people? No, this, I want you to think differently about the kingdom. So Jesus come. Hold that thought, get back to it. Jesus came out of the wilderness, the first apostle, came out of the wilderness, and he says, repent. What's the word repent mean in Greek? Come on, tell. It means change your mind. 
change your mind, change the way you think that results in the change of behaviour in the way you live. Oh, we put that down into moral living. It includes that, but it's not just about moral living. It's about the whole governance of God. It's about the kingdom. It's about a new paradigm, a new set of rules. There's a new operating system coming. So change the way you think because I want you to operate differently. Back to Philip. Philip, you feed them. And he goes into worldly thinking, the worldly operation system. But he's teaching about the kingdom of God. He's, I've been telling you all these parables. I've been giving you lessons. And now I'm giving you an object lessons about the kingdom of God. You feed them. And he said, well, you haven't got enough. He said, bring what you've got. That's the first thing. Bring what you've got. And he blessed it. He blessed it with the blessing of the kingdom of God. And he says, now you go and feed them. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000. <laughs> he blessed what they got. And they fed the 5,000. And in that moment, they learned a lesson how the kingdom of God operates. Yeah. Change the, he's trying to mess with their heads and get them to think differently. Oh, yes. And then immediately after that, he jumps into the boat. Goes off to the, you go to the boat, the other side, go on. I'm going up to pray. And the big storm happens. And Jesus walking on the water. And they're all freaked out because they think it's a ghost. And he says, don't freak out, it's me. Mm. Now, Peter, off the back of just seeing 5,000 people heal, um, not heal, fed with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. He thinks to himself, He's beginning to get it, basically. He's saying, actually, if it's you, let me walk on water. And off the back of what he's just experienced, a new way of thinking, a new operating system, he says, let me walk on water. And Jesus says, come on then. And he walks a few steps. And I would think to myself, I think to myself, he looks at the wave and he falls into the sea. And I think he's done pretty well, personally, you know. And Jesus rests and gets in the boat. What does Jesus say? He says, why did you doubt? I thought, come on, give the boy a break. I thought that was right. I thought he did really well. He said, no, why did you doubt? Was he's challenging the way he thinks. You've just seen 5,000 people here uh, fed. He's challenging the way you think. About, about the kingdom of God. So here's the thing. When we're actually thinking about the church being a missional movement, it's not just the concept of it, but we have to do it Jesus' way. Because the movement is about this, it's about a kingdom mission. Now, three ways that Jesus did mission. I'm going to explain, I say them and I'm going to explain them. He had words. He had, he came in, he didn't just come in words, he came in a body. You see, he's flesh and blood. You could see it. He could touch. He went about doing good. And he's got a body now, and he's on earth, and it's called the church. So there's a message, but it's the way that we live, and the life of love, and the way that we serve. And it's called, the, Jesus is the first incarnation. It's a Greek word called in meat. The invisible God clothed himself in meat. In meat. When you go to Spain, if you go on a holiday, and it says carn on the menu, meat. Incarnation. He became meat. And there's, but the church is the second incarnation because we're the body of Christ. So the Father sent me, I send you with the second in, 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 incarnation. To do what? To, do, to, to continue what he finished. So Luke says this in the book of Acts, that which Jesus began, I have made a special account of. He says he began it, he didn't finish it. 
We finish it. Oh yes, he did a finished work on the cross, but we could actually finish the mission. The cross was not the end, it was a means to an end. That's, this is the apostolic calling upon the church. So he had a message, he came in a body, so there's, there's something to say, there's something to do. And he had power. He healed the sick and set people free. The kingdom of God is not about words alone. It's about power. And he healed the sick. And that's how he constructed his mission. With power. And a body. And a message. So let's talk about these three. How long have I got? Honestly. Okay, that's good. should be enough. Would you like me to be less enthusiastic? Would you like me to turn the volume down? Sorry, I can, I can do that. Is that right? Okay. You know, just checking, you know. Cause I, I, you know, you know what I mean is, my, my wife has to live with this, so I just double-check this. It's okay. All right. Is that all right? All my kids have left home. I wonder why. No, it's a joke. <laughs> they come back. <laughs> we bribe them with food. Um, this right. right um, the message. We have a message. It's called the gospel. Let me just say, the gospel is like a threefold chord. Threefold chord. We, we, we have tended to reduce the gospel to one strand. There you go, one strand. There's three, it's like the Trinity. One gospel, one God, three persons. One gospel, three strands, but it is one gospel. So the first strand, let me talk about, um, no, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about, the, I'm tempted to talk about the first strand that you would be familiar with, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about the first strand that Jesus brought. It's called the gospel of the kingdom. The first words that Jesus came out, came out of Jesus' mouth when he was tempted by the devil, came out of the wilderness, and he came thundering with this message was, repent, change your mind, it will change the way you think and change your behavior, live it with a new operating system, because the kingdom of God is at hand. So the first message that Jesus brought was the message of the kingdom. The message, it's the kingdom gospel. So that's the first thing. What is the kingdom gospel? The kingdom gospel is that God is restoring the rule of God to all mankind through Christ. Uh, Christopher Wright, I just quoted him earlier on, he says this, God's mission is to redeem the whole, is his whole creation from all that sin and evil has inflicted upon it. The mission of God's people must reflect the breadth of God's righteous and saving love that he has made. Now, that's to people... I talk about that, the gospel of salvation to people, but it's also the rule of God coming back to creation. You see, here's the thing. When, when Adam and Eve... Oh, let's go back. Why did, God make man hand, why did God make mankind? Why? Why did he put people on the planet? Oh, we could say, oh, it's to love God. Well, it is to love God. Oh, some theologians say, oh, it's to enjoy him forever. Well, it is to enjoy him. But what does God say in the opening book of Genesis? Now, the opening book of Genesis is like the first line of a great Shakespearean play where he's got the whole play before him and the, and the actors come on and with the opening line, they set the plot. Yeah? 
So this is it. Well done. You got it. He says, let us make man in our image that they may rule. Oh, rule. You see, the difference between an animal and a human being is that we're made in the image of God. And because we're made in the image of God, we are to rule. God has given human beings authority to govern the earth in his stead. That's what, that's what it is. Now, what does rulership look like? Well, you get a hint when God spoke to uh, Adam in the garden. He says, tend the garden. So rulership is to cultivate our environment, our garden, our space, whatever garden it is. It might be, check out the Tesco. It might be the family that you've been given. It might be the food bank ministry. It might be working in industry or working in the school. It's wherever your feet are, whatever your, wherever your feet land on a Monday morning when you get out of bed, and wherever they take you, that's your garden. And your, your mandate from God is to cultivate that in area for the flourishing of everything on the planet. You see, they were given rulership over animals. They were given rulership over creation. Everything on the planet. Well, what do you mean rulership over the planet? Well, wasn't that what Jesus was all about when he rebuked the storm and it came still? And they woke him up? And when Peter walked on water? You see, here's the thing. When I was in... <laughs> if you go through, I love the Alpha Course, by the way. I think it's brilliant. So I'm a big fan. But in the Alpha Course, it says, here's some signs that show Jesus' divinity, walking on water. Well, if Jesus walking on water was, was showed his divinity, what was Peter walking on water all about? If Jesus, one of them was feeding the 5,000, if Jesus feeding the 5,000 was a sign of divinity, what was me being able to do it? But he's giving rulership, he's teaching about rulership over to humanity. Jesus was not only came in the flesh to die on the cross for us, I'll talk about that in a minute, he came in the flesh to show us what a human being can do under the governance of God. And it's about creating environment, he calmed the chaos that they would be safe and get to the other side. He fed the, 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 the broken and the thirsty and the hungry that they would not wither on the way. He created environments for the flourishing of everything on the planet. So it's a, a gospel kingdom. But mankind has lost the ability to rule under the governance of God because of their disobedience in the kingdom. They haven't lost their, their right to rule because they're made in the image of God. They've just swapped who they're ruling under. They're ruling out of their self-serving sinful nature. And fallen nature always pulls things in to serve ourselves. And ruling under the God, small g, Satan, the God of this world. And that's why our rulership is so destructive and self-centered rather than replenishing and resourcing the planet and everybody in it. Because we can't rule and cultivate environments for flourishing if we're self-centered and if we're under the, the, the God of this world, uh, small g, Satan, influence. Am I communicating? So Jesus comes out of the wilderness, having defeated the enemy. Now, the enemy could see, oh, oh my goodness me. Oh, I've got to go so quick. Oh, my goodness me. This is the apostolic message, though. Oh, my goodness me. There's a man here, and the Spirit of the God is upon him, and he is sinless, and he's going to rule. And i got the rulership now because I've got human beings under my control. And he says, how can I get this man under my control? So he tempts him. 
He tempted, it's a repeat of the garden. Eat something. Put your trust in yourself. That's what it was, to take wisdom for themselves. Self-trust rather than trusting God. They took the fruit because it was done for Winston. Be like God, take it for myself. And he says, and he says oh, all that fed. And he, says, and he showed him all the kingdoms of all the, all the earth, future, past and present. He says, I give it all to you. And in a one, it was his to give because he had control over it, he had management over it, because he was controlling humanity, because they swapped allegiance through disobedience. Am I communicating? Yeah? Is this making sense? Good. But Jesus says, no, on your bike. So he came out of the wilderness, preaching, change your mind. The kingdom of God is hand, and I'm bringing it back to you. And he modelled what it was to be a kingdom person. He was, he was undoing Eden to give back the rule of God to human beings. So there's the, there's the message of the kingdom to proclaim. And Jesus spent three years with his disciples teaching the message of the kingdom. After he was risen from the dead, he spent 40 days talking about the kingdom. And the kingdom message is the apostolic message of the church. So it's a message of words, a message about the kingdom. But also, it's the message of your salvation as well. Which, now, that your salvation is your doorway into kingdom citizenship to come back to Christ. So Christ, in his humanity, died upon the cross, punished for your sins, wrongdoings, so you could actually give your life back to Christ and come under the rulership of the Father again through Christ. And that's the message of your salvation. Forgiveness, reconciliation to God. Yeah? So there's a gospel message of rulership, but there's a gospel message of your salvation. Now, as good Bible-believing Christians, for years we've only ever really preached the gospel of salvation. But the gospel of salvation is a means to an end. It's to actually give the kingdom back to human beings. We preach the gospel of salvation is repent, believe in Jesus, so that you can go to heaven. Heaven but that's not the message of salvation. Heaven is a temporary place. Actually, it says um, in the book of Revelation, uh, Behold, I see the new Jer- the J- Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth, and behold, the dwelling of God shall be with men. And, and te- heaven is a temporary place until Jesus returns, and then it all is going to become one and the same. And heaven and earth shall be combined, and we will rule as human beings on earth, under Christ, under God, the Father, as human beings. So the gospel of salvation is not so much the repent so you can go to heaven, it says repent that you can be realigned to the governance of God again, that you may achieve your ultimate destiny to be a ruler with Christ as a human being. Let us make man in our image that they may rule. Because God doesn't want just souls in heaven, he wants all of creation back. So there's a gospel of salvation, and there's a gospel of the kingdom. Now, they're not separate gospels. They're one gospel, but they have three expressions like the Trinity. Yeah? Okay. Finally. Um, so that's the gospel. Then we've got incarnation, and that's talking about loving rulership. We've talked about that. We are express this loving rulership on earth to create environments of flourishing that both speak of the nature of the kingdom of God, but actually are prophetic proclamation of what's coming 
And thirdly, the third model of Jesus, which I'm going to speak on now, is power. Jesus came, demonstrating that he taught the kingdom of God with his words, he taught it with his miracles, he taught it with his parables. And it's a power to live, and it's a power to demonstrate that the rulership of God is coming. Now, (sighs) Jesus sent the 12 out and the 72, and he says, go out, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, and when you heal the sick, tell them the kingdom of God's at hand. Why is there an association with healing and the kingdom of God. It, scriptures teach that the kingdom is a, a healing is a demonstration of the kingdom. Paul says, all the way from Jerusalem to Ilkram, I fully proclaim the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the king, yeah, with, with miracles and power of the Holy Spirit. Why are miracles signs of the kingdom? Miracles are two things. Um, one, uh, they are evidence that Christ did rise from the dead and the message is true. Two, they're a sign of God's compassion for you, that he doesn't want uh, sickness to reside in your body, a sign of compassion. But secondly, they're a sign that God is bringing his rulership back to all of creation, not just the salvation of human beings. Let me explain why. And I'll do this in five minutes, then we'll wrap up. Is that right? Yeah. When Adam and Eve fell... As the head of creation, remember, they were made out of the dust, so they were part of it. Yeah, they were created, so they're part of creation and connected with it. They were given, made an image to rule over creation. They were the management, they were the head, so to speak, under God. And when they fell, not only did sin enter their bodies through the fall and the disobedience that death the death process came into them as created human beings the death process and the decay process entered all of creation as well so when the head fell all of creation fell so that's why we have tsunamis that's why we have earthquakes that's why we have wind patterns that don't work properly um that's why we have disease and pestilence. And that's why everything on the planet that lives dies. Because sin came into the world. So that death came into the world through sin. That actually was a work of the devil in the garden. That was his strategy. And everything on the planet that lives dies. Full stop. Everything. And the death process started with the head of creation. When they died started to die, all creation fell. So, when Jesus comes preaching the gospel of the kingdom to reverse the acts of the fall in the garden, not only to save human beings that we're realigned to God and get back into his purpose, but to actually reclaim the whole planet. Because God wants all of everything he's created back. He doesn't want anything subjugated to evil and death and the influence of the enemy he's he's coming back for it all and nothing less is worthy of him so he says well so you know that the rulership of God is coming to undo the work of the garden and reclaim humanity in the creation when I heal your body I am signaling that the death process is being undone the work of sin that started in the garden that brings death because basically death is sickness spreading through our, our bodies so much that we can't sustain life anymore. And it came from sin that started in the garden. Yeah. So when you get healed, it's a signal 
that that death process is being undone. And it's starting with the head of creation. He's starting with humanity. He doesn't heal creation first. Because they fell first and creation followed. He heals humanity first. And then it's a sign that creation is going to get liberated because your body is getting liberated. So why it's a sign of the rule of God. The sign of the rule of God that it's here. And the sign of the rule of God is coming. And it will fully come when Christ returns. But it will increase as we do our job. So that's why Jesus says, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Pray for the rulership of heaven to come on earth. Now we tend to put that into the future. Oh, when Jesus comes, we've got to pray for him to come back quickly. No, that's that's not the context of the prayer. Every line in that prayer is present tense. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread, presence or future. It's present. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. We don't need to forgive others when we're in heaven. We'll be perfect. It's now. Deliver us from evil. There is no evil in heaven. It's now. So why would we put the first line of it into the future when the whole context is in the present? Yes, that's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, make that. That's a good point. (laughs) I wish I I heard it first. But I didn't. I got it from somebody else. So here's the thing. So So Jesus is coming to restore the kingdom of God, starting with human beings. And it will be finally completed when Jesus returns. And, it will be retu- and, it, and the whole thing will be wrapped up when we get our resurrection bodies. So, it says this. Let me start at the beginning. I haven't put all the scripture. It says, creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Do you see what happened? When, when the, when the, I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, I'm explaining later. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't understand either. You haven't listened to the whole talk. Anyway. <laughs> this happens all the time. Anyway. I've got to get rid of this watch. It was a present from my kids. Um, so I can't. Um, okay, I'm going I'm to finish on this. Creation is in bondage to decay because of the fall of Adam and Eve. When, when we get revealed as the sons of God, and then we're totally restored, we're totally redeemed in our bodies, then just as humanity fa- uh, creation fell... With the fall of humanity, when we're restored back, it gets liberated. Yeah? So, it says here, creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We wait eagerly our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. It's talking about the second resurrection. We just sung about earlier on. So, so you say, well, I am revealed. So, why isn't creation liberated yet no so the kingdom is here and we're on a journey and when we're fully restored body soul and spirit and that's why christ came in a body it's not all spiritual you know flesh and blood because this kingdom thing's got to be worked out on the earth so when christ is restored we will when christ returns we get our resurrection body back And so humanity, through Christ, is fully restored, and then creation gets fully liberated. Isn't that fantastic? 
So that's the message of the kingdom. That's why Christ came, to align everything on heaven and earth, everything that's created, back to the Father, through Christ the head, and he becomes the fullness of him who fills everything in every way through the church. So that's the mission of God. So through power, through power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God and through Jerusalem and all the way around to Elkram, I fully proclaim the gospel of the King. So what is the apostolic message to the church? The church has a missional DNA as a priority. The church reflects the mission of Christ and models it the way it is, with a message, with incarnation and with power. It's about his kingdom rule. Healing to proclaim that the kingdom is here and it's fully on its way for all creation. A missional church from an apostolic perspective devotes itself to the apostolic teaching. So this is not just a list of doctrinal statements. This is the way that Jesus lived and lived and healed and did mission and taught. It's proclaimed and taught. It's lived sacrificially. It's done in the power of the Holy Spirit every day in life, work, and play. This is what we're called to be. And so I want to encourage you to be an apostolic church and do this. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon my brothers and sisters here today. And I pray that the humanity of Jesus, who modeled what it was to be in uh, a person who's truly imaging God and living as a kingdom ruler, the king, will be our model. And we will aspire to a greater life and a, a redemption of our true calling in terms of rulers on earth and recipients of the kingdom of heaven. Help us to cultivate cultures of flourishing for the benefit of others. Help us to truly proclaim the gospel of the kingdom the gospel of salvation, the gospel of Christ that he presents himself amongst us. Help us, Lord, truly to proclaim and advance the mission of God. In Jesus' name, amen.